Welcome to Carlton Fields' recruiting podcast from campus to council. Uh, I'm Jack Clabby, the hiring partner here at Carlton Fields. Uh, with me, as always, my colleague Ted Delcima. Uh, Ted from our Miami office, uh, often described as consistently wearing better shoes than me. Uh, which Ted, I don't, I don't love it, but I can't argue with it. How are you today? I'm doing well. And again, you know, that's just a rumor. I'm not saying I started it. I'm not saying I didn't start it. <laughs> I am saying that, you know, whenever I go, I do have a pair of shoes that I, that, that are my best shoes that I will only wear where I'm visiting a Miami office. Um, so if you see me, you are going to see me, Ted, wearing my best shoes. Just leave it at that. Especially in Miami, you, you have to. In Miami, the, the climate, it's, it's very stylish, very up and coming, upbeat. It makes sense. They're more forgiving in New York. Um, they're more forgiving in New York for whatever reason. And, and in deep, when we're going to see the D.C. office, no one really cares. They just want to yeah. talk politics. That's what they want to do. Um, so today, uh, Ted, we're going to be talking about, all right, we've, we've gone through the OCI process. Uh, you've gotten a call back, right? So this is a, a rising 2L. Uh, who has a callback to go and interview with a lot of people at a law firm. You know, it's going to be in person. You know, maybe it'll be virtual, but for the most part, these are going to be in person, I think, the, this year. Um, so just talk us through a little bit about what you might get a couple of calls back. What are some of the thoughts in terms of how do you manage callbacks? Do you, does the law student have a lot of say in, in when the callback occurs? What is it at a high level? Tell me about callback management. Well, the, the first, outside of management, the first feeling is, wow, I got a call back. You know, like you're excited. Heck yeah. You know, because it, it, now you're moving the ball forward. Now, when, when it comes to management, I don't think you have much of a say. Uh, if you're going through the OCI process, you've submitted your resume, your writing transcript, uh, your actual unofficial transcript, and that, that information submitted matched with an employer. And they're like, you know what? I want to meet Ted. So now you don't really have much say. Now the ball is on your court, depending on how many callbacks you get and depending on what you want to do. So now you start organizing, Jack. You're like, all right, this firm called me. That firm called me. This firm really has a practice area that I enjoy. This firm may not, but they give you more hands-on work. I've heard great things. Yeah. So what I do is I start creating, and again, A-type a personality. I love lists. I create a list for everything. You know, I've created a list for this podcast. So I create a list of things that are important to me, each firm, and then you start preparing. And, and in the callback, they're going to tell you what's next. They, they, yeah. they, they spoon feed you everything. What's next? When's the interview? Who you're meeting with? The time? So you start preparing for that. No, that's a good idea. I, I think, look, if you're given any ability to control the, when they're set, I like to think of two things. One is the calendar and two is the time of day. Mm -hmm. On the calendar, you, you'd like to put the ones you're most interested in first, because I do think going early gives you something of an advantage. Um, and two, it gives you more time with that offer. Um, and then second, if you have to pick a time of day, morning typically means you get to have lunch. And lunch means <laughs> you get more time in a, in a sort of a more a slightly more relaxed setting in the formal mm -hmm. interview, if it's an in-person interview. Afternoon, again, it's fine. I think afternoon interviews are, are fine, too. I don't think really, you know, we're advantaging, at least on the hiring side, morning people versus afternoon people. But you do get that lunch, which is that little bit of extra time. Um, and, and now there really isn't. It, I almost think maybe, Ted, we should talk about this. Maybe for the afternoon interviews, we should schedule like a coffee or something. That would, that I, I'm going to make cool. a note on that. I want to yeah. think about that. 
because that might equalize it. We're doing everything we can to try to make these equal experiences for these summer associate candidates. It might not be a bad idea now that I think about it to set up a coffee. Anyway, if any of our listeners experience a callback where in the afternoon they then went to a coffee, uh, let us know. Make a comment on that. I'd, I'd be interested to know if any of our anyone's doing that. Maybe we'll start doing that. Yeah, and it takes the pressure off. It makes the 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 candidate more relaxed, and it seems more personable. Actually, I'm a little jealous, Jack. You didn't invite me to coffee, so I'm going to. But I think I might start doing it because that's we'll do with shareholder candidates, lateral shareholders. We might take them for a drink um, mm-hmm. or for dinner, but it's just not something that's part of the culture of for, for a variety of reasons that may be obvious. Not part of the callback okay. experience for a summer associate. I mean, because that's what it is. It is more formal mm-hmm. than interviews that that you will do later in your life if you end up going and doing more interviews. It's fairly formal. You get typically you get a half an hour, um, maybe forty five minutes, and you might do four interviews. Um, for some callbacks, it's one on ones with partners and associates. For some callback interviews, it's four interviews, but you'll see two people um, at each of those interviews, and that. You know, don't read anything into that to, you know, to the folks who are listening. It's really, um, it really depends on the law firm and on availability. They just want to get as many people into it. Now, the, the back end of this sort of insider baseball on, on callbacks is that after each of these interviews, the person who interviews you, even the folks who take you to lunch, go back and fill out a survey about you. And to, you know, it's you know, maybe a zero to five rating scale on a couple of things and a couple of words and narrative about you. But some of the things that you might get rated on are interest and enthusiasm in the firm, um, interest and enthusiasm in the practice area, um, intangibles that they bring that aren't clear from the resume, um, anything that you know we need to know about them that would make them a good fit or a bad fit um, for the practice group that they're applying to, um, and anything we might want to know about their school or their um, environment that, that um, needs to be known by everyone who's involved in the hiring decision. So one of the things you can do, just like your OCI interview, is give those talking points to the people who are interviewing you, give it to them. Just say, look, here are a couple of things about me that are helpful. You can use that at the end to kind of summarize, right? I work between law school and college in a finance uh, setting. Two, you know, if you give me, these are the most powerful words you can say, but they have to be true. If you give me an offer, I'll accept it, right? To me, those are the most powerful. That's like the, you know, the sort of the, the nuclear weapon. You gotta, you gotta be really careful using it. But that's the most powerful thing. If you give me an offer, I'll accept it. Because I'm always thinking, Ted, um, how many offers can I have outstanding to how many spots I have? And if I know someone's a sure thing, I'm more inclined, I think, I think, I think it's a thumb on the scale for sure for that person. Because it, it helps me uh, inject some certainty into the hiring process. Um, and then, uh, you know what, another thing that, that I like hearing from people is, this is the practice group I'm really interested in. And here's a couple of reasons why, right? Yeah. Give me a little narrative around you about why this particular practice group, particularly if it's a unique one, um, is one that matches with you and your skill. I'm not always going to be able to figure that out. So I think those are a couple of thoughts um, that, that I have. Uh, what do you think about, no, Ted, we sometimes get thank you notes. We sometimes don't for callbacks. What do you think about thank you notes? Well, I think the, the don't aspect of not getting thank you notes is a big mistake. Uh, okay. You should always send thank you notes. Now, the real question is, now that we're remote, how do you do it? Do you do you do yeah. an email? Do you do you know like an actual handwritten note? Uh, I'm old, I'm old school. You know, my mom 
when I moved here, I discovered the calculator for the first time when I moved from the Caribbean here. So <laughs> like, I'm very old school. So my mom has taken great pains to work on my penmanship. So I love handwritten notes. Yeah. And I say this because <laughs> one of my, and, and I think to the listeners, one gift you should get from a significant other, a friend, a parent is a stationary set with your name on it, blank cards, because that, that will be used more often than you know. So I think with thank you cards, you make it personal. If you can't send one out because you don't know where the person interviewing you lives or they're not in the office or you don't think they're going to get it, send an email. But I always default to handwritten notes. Uh, I wrote one to Jack, personally <laughs> handwritten in, in black ink on my letterhead, uh, on my stationery with my name on it and like very <laughs> presidential <laughs> font. It was like, I was like, wow, man, I might actually keep this for myself, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and and I sent it. And I sent it to Jack. And it, it means a lot because it shows you you've taken the time, you've taken the effort, and you have to personalize it. And it goes back to what you said, Jack. You can't make generic statements. You can't ask generic questions. My thank you notes were all I sat somewhere quietly and I was like, what did I bond or share with, with Jack in our interview? And I'll put that on a thank you note. And it was very pointed. So I think it's definitely a big mistake not to utilize thank you notes, whether it be email or actual mail. Agreed. I think handwritten notes are at the top. They don't have to be on, on proprietary stationery, Ted, but that is a nice touch, man, if you've got it. A part of me is like, if this guy's got proprietary stationery, what does he need this job for? I was like, he's already there. <laughs> well, he I mean, there. I'm a non-traditional student, so I, well, I, I, I like work for a while now. But I think, and then, you know, if that's up there, then emails are good too. And, you know, the email will usually, I'll usually write back and just say, thanks so much. It was nice to meet you, right? So email does have that benefit of getting a response, but getting, getting a, man, a piece of handwritten mail, like it is, it's like the amazing, it's such a cool little gift to get something in your hand like that. It's a little present. Um, all right. But one other word on traveling, uh, if the law firm is paying for your travel or is splitting your travel expenses to the city where you're interviewing for, if you're traveling this year. Just be be careful, you know. Don't go crazy on that on that travel budget because it consider it another form of communication for between you and the um, between you and the law firms who you're interviewing with, and just be reasonable about it. Um, I think you know we've all heard horror stories. They're they're rarer these days, and they've been rare the last two years when there hasn't been as much travel. But of just you know folks going out to fancy steakhouses and just putting the bill on the law firm, where it's kind of like, wait a minute, you know, this is really just intended to get a a law student here at zero cost, just be cautious about that. Um, but I'll say this too, um, when you get an offer, often it is a call, it'll be a phone call from the law firm, and then it will be followed by a written offer. There is an art to, accept, to, to acknowledging an offer without accepting it. If you don't plan on it, the best obviously is accepting it immediately verbally with enthusiasm. But if you're not gonna accept, if you wanna think about it, or you wanna see the offer, convey, your acceptance to the person who can convey your enthusiasm to the person who called you. It'll happen from time to time that we'll call somebody, we'll catch them on their cell phone in their car, which is, you know, totally cool. But we'll say, hey, you know, we want, we want you to be a member of the summer. You're going to be a great, you know, lawyer. We want to be a part of your journey. Um, and, and we'll kind of try to get them fired up a little bit. And they'll say, so almost robotically, thank you. I'm accepting other offers at this point and I'll get back to you. And part of me then is like, Psh! why did I make this offer? Like, I'm already regretting yeah. it. Um, we're not, you know, we're obviously going to continue to make the offer and we'll, we'll compete to try to get that um, acceptance. But but just consider again that 
you know, if there's some chance you're going to accept this offer, accept it. Um, uh, if there's some chance you'll accept this offer down the road, you know, think through how you're um, uh, going to be perceived. Because even if these folks, um, even if you're going to decline the offer, uh, these folks could be colleagues of yours in the city that you're going to be working in forever. Um, and there are folks who I interviewed with, you know, 17, 18 years ago, whenever it was 20 years ago, uh, who I work with now who interviewed me for jobs that I declined or for offers I didn't get. So think about that, right? The long tail of this, every interview you do in the city you might work in is an opportunity for you to make a friend and make a business contact. So treat every touch with them the way you would um, with, with respect. Um, let's say you accept 10, you know, should, should that be the last we hear from you for eight months before you show up as a summer associate? What can you do in, the, in, in that time to kind of stay in touch? After you accept, right? So you're on a high, you're, you're feeling great. You know, like you're, you're, you have peace of mind, you know, I'm going to be working this summer or I'm going to be working full time. The next step is reaching out to a recruiter because throughout the entire process, I, 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 we, we may not have mentioned it. There's a recruiter that's hands-on. It's like, you know, your go-to person because, you know, the shareholders, the associates, they're busy. So you're dealing with the recruiter. So after you yeah. accept the offer, you know, they, of course, they tell you, hey, we're going to send you, a, you know, a paper offer uh, by mail and, you know, sign it, blah, 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 blah. I would say follow up with the recruiter, say, hey, X, uh, uh, I've sent over the paperwork. I, I would like to know what's the next step. You know, asking them what the next step is, and then you're going to have that dialogue open. That's what I personally did. Yeah. I think to take a minute, right, for everyone you interviewed with, and then write them a note saying, I got an offer and I accepted. I just wanted to say thank you. I'm looking forward to, to joining you in a couple in a couple months. Add them to your contacts, wherever you keep your contacts, add mm -hmm. all those folks you met with your contacts. And then remember this, like you're gonna be a 2L. So like you will have gotten your offer, you know, within the first month of you being a 2L, you're gonna be on campus for, for that entire year. And you've got these four to eight friends, professional contacts at the law firm where you're gonna be a summer associate. So if you have questions for them about substantive classes you, you're, you're in, if you're taught, you want to run something by them about, well, what class should I sign up for for the second semester? Um, if you've got something or this speaking opportunity where you need to bring somebody to campus to talk to a group that you're a member of, um, reach out, right? We've got nobody else we're helping but you guys, right? Like start it, start in on it now. Like this is, this is now your network. Um, I think that really outstanding summer associates use their 2L year to start building relationships at the law firms they're gonna join. Worst case scenario is you get like a nice email back from the partner the associate you were buddies with and they say, hey, you know, can't come on campus for that talk, but thanks so much. Um, here's two or three other people who you might reach out to. Uh, you know, our really outstanding associates have that in co common that they use their 2L year after they accepted for the summer associate position to keep us surprised of what they were up to and to use us for any way we could help them on campus. All right. Well, one of Ted, thank you again for, um, for for joining us here and sharing your wisdom with us. I um, want to thank everybody for uh, tuning into this, our third episode of Carlton Fields Recruiting Podcast, from campus to council. Uh, and uh, please continue uh, tuning in. And uh, best of luck with the recruiting season.